Welcome to a brand new episode of Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is I'm just I'm just gonna hit you with, you know, I got an illustrious you know, illustrious guest. So this guest <laughs> is noted musician Corey Wallace. Welcome to the podcast. Man, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I, I wasn't um, sure where I was gonna to take that initially. Right. Right, right, right. Because I was going to say, like, former of, city um, night and all of that. <laughs> I know. See, it, it, in looking at different TV shows, I um like uh, uh, Jesus and Mero, whenever yeah. they're introducing their guests, Jesus is always like, illustrious, illustrious. <laughs> That's what I was going for, guests, Illustrious. And I'm like, <laughs> what better word <laughs> do you have than to, you know, introduce an illustrious guest? So I appreciate oh, that, man. Thank you. Oh, no doubt, man. Um. One one of the things I, I try to do with it, I try to I try to inject some of the stuff. You know, how you you'll go on different interviews and you'll listen to interviews and things like that, and mm. it's, sometimes it doesn't fit within it. Like the other podcasts yeah. I do on this network, it's just me talking talking junk and and being like mm. basically a wi- wild. And it's like I can't mm. go too left, you know, right. and doing this right. because it doesn't come off yeah, as authentic. Absolutely, but, you know. So we we are. In the yearbook, we're like, like kind of next to each other. You know, my, my mm. real last name and your last yeah, name yeah, are in that yeah. same page. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> and kind of the, the tallest guys in that, that class or what have you. So it's, um, you know, watching we from were afar. In a couple classes, like maybe yes. ninth and 10th grade. Absolutely. I think. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I mean, we always saw each other around the hallway. We gave, you know, said what's, <laughs> what's up and everything. What's good. But like, yeah, I know. Like, I know there were, everybody had different paths, like starting in like the 11th and 12th grade. You know, I really got into music. So I wasn't seen anywhere else outside of like the international baccalaureate classrooms. I was in the band. <laughs> I was like in every band. And then we even had groups that we made up and I was started to try to gear towards, you know, getting into college and becoming a musician. So I was in that, you know, that wave of kind of being, in every kind of pocket, which is not too far from where I, where I've stayed at and right. in the subsequent decade plus almost two decades. Yeah. And yeah. that reminds me of how washed I am. But, um, <laughs> I, I, I joked about that the other day. I was like, I pluck my grades and my man was just like, you can't do that. I was like, I do it all the time. <laughs> See, it took me so long to start getting gray hair. And then I, I just, it's a pride thing now, you know, and even, even, uh, my partner, my lady is just like, you know, she's like, Oh, you got, you got a gray hair in your beard. And I'm like, Oh really? Where is it? And then she'll pluck it. And I'm like, why did you do that? Like I, I, I take complete pride in my gray hairs. I'm getting old. I got wisdom. You know, I, every time I teach another class of students, no matter be high school, middle school, college or whatever, it's just like, you know, I have a lot to say cause I, I've seen a lot of stuff, you know? I mean, so let me, let me, you know, these gray hairs are proof. <laughs> I, I've se- I've seen a lot of things. I've heard. I, I only give him my eyebrows, which is wild. And like my beard, my my boy was joking me. He was like, "I'm three years younger than you, uh, and you your face school hair is black." Yeah, I was like, "It's that Egyptian, you know, aesthetic that I right. have going on." You right. know, I've, I've been been confused a few times. But <laughs> you you touched you touched on earlier, like um your your background in in at, at city with mm-hmm. you know those last couple of years, it's like everything was music oriented yep. or international baccalaureate or what have mm-hmm. you. So how did, how did you get started, started in music? What was like kind of one of those earlier experiences in music? 
Hmm. For you. Uh, my whole family was very much into music and the March Man's. I have a, one of those HBCU families, you know, <laughs> where if it wasn't, if it wasn't Morgan, you know, and it was Morgan State College at one point, but Morgan State University, um, it wasn't that. It was Howard University. It, was, it had a couple people who went to Hampton, who went to Lincoln, you know, who went to Cheney. So it's like very HBCU centric. So, and they're a bunch of talented people, you know. Funny, uh, funny enough, once I finally got into music after realizing I wasn't going to the NBA, you know, <laughs> I, um, you know, nobody else was playing except for my sister and I, or like, you know, some, some, some smaller scholars, uh, excuse me, younger cousins. But, you know, uh, my dad was a heavy influence as well. We had music all in the house. My parents, oldies, you know, um, the old school classical music, uh, straight ahead jazz, all types of stuff playing. And in addition to, you know, my favorite types of music, I mean, I grew up in the golden era of hip hop. Everybody will say that. But yeah. I mean, we, when we were in middle school, I don't know, you know, reasonable yeah. doubt dropped. And then yeah. you have, you know, Illmatic dropped. And then, you know, even when we got in the, in the high school, <laughs> Capital Punishment, like some of my favorite albums, you know, yeah. Outcast started, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm gonna make the case that we 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 were in the golden era of hip hop. You know, you to do that thing and say not for nothing, but we had these. Uh, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like I mean, if you look at the score, it looks like you're losing. But um, it's like the, the Georgia yeah, Six Rings conversation. Yeah. Oh, see, I don't want to go there. I don't it, go but there, is that know? though? Is that what it comes to I like mean, like the hip hop albums? Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. But um, you know. I resisted. I was in the baseball for six years and basketball for that kind of overlapped. And then into high school, AAU. And then mm -hmm. I, I, one day I walked into the van room, uh, the band room. Yeah. I was uh, already in the marching band, you know, in the percussion, uh, percussion section. And, um, I don't know, man, I did, I wanted to play the trombone random, you know, like, <laughs> like my uncle played it, but I wasn't that drawn to it. I had tried to play it before, you know, wasn't, really drawn to it then. So I quit after like a month, <laughs> you know, went back to sports, but I don't know that day. It was like November of 2000. So we're, all, this is almost 20 years now yeah. that I've been chipping away at it. Then it was, and that's pretty late. You know, I was about 15 years old, but um, in terms of, you know, when you start a, start playing an instrument, everybody starts in like middle school, but my middle school didn't have a program. Had a journalism program, had like a telecommunications, you know, morning show program, but it was like, nah, we, we're going to pass on music. You know, so <laughs> yeah. whatever that one day I heard it, and I was like, I think I want to play the trombone. I think I want, you know, and I only knew it really in the uh, the context of marching band, but I, they, like the trombone section was working on a fanfare or something like that. And I was like, this, this is pretty powerful. Like, yep. this is, you know, I mean, the trombone has been, you know, um, uh, equated or, you know, people say it's very similar to the voice of God or just a human voice, you know, yeah. James Weldon Johnson with, um, God's trombones, you know, literacy, uh, or, um, again, equating the voice of God to the, the instrument, but then also, you know, because of the slide and how it bent, it can bend notes and everything. People think it's the, um, close thing to the human voice. So it was that day. It just, it seemed like the instrument was singing and I was like, man, I got to do this. So literally every, <laughs> not every day, but every day since then, 
you know, it's just, it's been about trying to, you know, capture that in some, some form or fashion. Chasing the dragon. Yeah. 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 It, the, that, that, the, that description of kind of being around it early on. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of, I think it was a memoir, um, quest loves memoir. Okay. And, uh, I, I fell into the trap. Not, not that it's, it's a good, it's a good book. It's a good memoir and all mm-hmm, of that. Mm-hmm. But I fall into the trap. If people have a, the same birthday I have, I have to kind of follow what they do. Right, so right. I got the book and kind of learned about his background. And he was just like, I was always around circles yeah. and he was like being in a household. He's like, I saw everything in that. He's like, I wasn't necessarily a good student, mm-hmm. but being around circles and being around, he's like, I come from a you know musician family and being right. around circles. And he's like, I see everything in that way. He's like, so drums naturally work for me. Percussion right. naturally works for me. Right. And just, he always would go back to that, that one thing about being around it early and just kind of always pursuing that, right. whatever that next step is. Right. 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 I mean, it was, it's definitely been a journey, but it's also the journey. I didn't realize the journey, like, Completely, you know, it keeps unveiling itself, different parts, the different sections of your path or my path have, you know, um, shown themselves sometimes like right before they need to happen. You know, I went to college uh, looking to be a music educator. You know, I come from a family of teachers, you know, uh, all every level. So I wanted to be a music educator, kind of like my dad and, um, you know, just giving back and within that first couple of months, you know, I was, I was like, Whoa, I won't. All right, cool. I gotta, I gotta figure out how to play this trombone better. Cause I thought I was like the big man on campus. Then I went to a school with a reputable trombone studio. And now I'm like, Oh, I'm at the back of the line. This is, this is, I don't like this feeling, you know, like I'm, I'm better than this. So in music, you know, just like, you know, in sports and medicine, you got to prove it. It's like, oh, you can do that. All right. So go do it. Show, show us all. So, you know, a lot of hard work went into, that's why I I talk to people or I see some of these shows on TV that like replicate the college experience, the HBCU experience. I'm like, dad, I wish I had that, man. Like not just the HBCU experience, but like, I wish I went out in college and had fun. I had some friends, but you know, we were all at the music building together, long nights, just practicing on di- our different things because we knew what was coming ahead of us, you know, like in a matter of years, you know, our, our loving teachers would be, you know, our adversaries We're we're in competition for like jobs, yeah. you know, so we had to close the gap very quickly or as quickly as possible. So and like I yeah. said, that's what I've been doing ever since. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny. Like the, 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 what you said right there was really real when it's like, I'm in the back of the line. Like, like, Mm -hmm. and every now and again, like I've been podcasting for like 12 years and I'm an old person that apparently when I I always get reminded of this and I was like, is this a backhanded thing? You've been doing it so long. And it's like, appreciate you. Mm -hmm. And I, every now and again, when I get linked up, cause I in in doing this and being COVIDed out, as I like to call it, Mm -hmm. The networking has been a little different. So I've been right. able to kind of reach out to people who know things. And even before that kind of started where going to different people's setups, going to different people's studios, seeing like, wow, yours is really bad or yours is right. fire. How do I get to that? How can I right. make my thing better? Right. And it's this one bit that I can't stop saying mm-hmm. because, um, in a previous job I had, uh, 
in, in higher ed, um, my, my girlfriend, she, she works there and still, and one of the guys that it was a, a peer there, mm-hmm. uh, he was, he fashioned himself to be a writer okay. and he said something really foul about one of one of the other employees, but he put it in a poem and it was something for whatever this school's mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. So they were putting out this thing and he's like, as others ascend, I'm here floundering. And I just always remember that it's just like, okay, whenever I see someone that's doing very well, it's like, mm-hmm. I know that I'm better than them. And I just say, man, eh, meanwhile, I'm floundering. Right. And it's just seeing these people just like succeed with outputting in the work. And ultimately right. what I'm hearing is, you, you've spent the better part of the last 20 years, like putting in the work to mm-hmm. get to where you're, you're chasing a dragon. And I, I think that's lost among people, but I right. see it all the time with people specifically in like playing instrument instrumentations, namely like, like jazz. They, mm-hmm. that's, that's a thing. It's not just, eh, I'm really good and I'm not going to do anything. You're not going to work at it. You, you burn out really quickly. I think. Right. Right. Uh, that's something that I'm seeing less and less. And I also see in my students like that aspect of it, you know, like, man. So yeah, I can play the, you know, this chord progression. I can, I can play a couple tunes, take the A train or, you know, or even if you get to the point where you you can, you're trying to play, you know, John Coltrane's giant steps. If you, you know, cool. I can, <laughs> you know, let me just go out and start my career. It's like, Whoa, buddy. Whoa, little sister. It's, there's a lot more to this than that. And like the 20 years is putting in work on the trombone, but also, you know, freelancing. I've been yep. freelancing since 2006. So like I was in college, mm-hmm. I was in every ensemble I could get into. Like so, most of the time between 20 and 23 credits, you know, per semester. And then like, and a lot of them were ensembles, but then a lot of them were like three credit classes. Cause I was like, man, I went to city college, you know, I, I was in IB. I can handle this workload. I got and then this. it was just like, what am I doing to myself? Goodness, I, <laughs> nobody, nobody let me, I had a 27 credit semester and that, oh, no. that just about in like, like I said, there were a lot of, so orchestra and, you know, wind ensemble and jazz band and like jazz combo and, all of these things, but they were only one credit. So those three credits were coming from some, you know, the three credit intervals were coming from somewhere else. And man, I just about passed out that whole. And then at that point I didn't even like coffee. <laughs> so I was doing this straight and, uh, I don't know how I made it through there, but, uh, that semester, kinda, my, my GPA kind of took a hit, but I learned a lot about myself. So, you know, but anyway, it's like you, the whole journey or each step of the, each part of the journey is about, about learning something else and you can't put the cart before the horse, you know, like it's, it just, to me, it doesn't work like that. You know, some mm-hmm. people are exceptionally talented and they cover a lot of bases through very mm-hmm. hard work ethic. And, um, it's not to say I haven't, or I, I didn't do that. It's just, everybody's journey is different, you know? Um, but yeah, man, it's, it is very important to take our and to embrace each part of the journey, you know, and just try to learn a lot about that, you know. So, and, and I want to I want to hit on a few other points and then talk about Baltimore a little bit because you sure. you have time. We we, we know oh, each other absolutely. from being in the same city. Come on, um, man. Come on, man. 
Uh, that's that's so, the city right there. So you mentioned the thing about coffee. I'm a big coffee guy, and okay. um, and I, I drink coffee as black as my soul. And, uh, absolutely. Best and way. It, it, it was one thing that was kind of funny. Um, I, I had a had a buddy who you know, when it comes to all of this stuff, when you're doing mm-hmm. multiple things, you're your manager, you're your marketer, you're the talent, you're all of the stuff, you're your engineer, all mm-hmm. of stuff. And especially when you're doing some of the freelance stuff, you're doing everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to I listened to him. He's like, man, I'm just in awe of your uh, work ethic and just right. the fact that you get so much stuff done. And I was like, you don't have to keep up. You can just try to do something. You know what I mean? Right. And right. I, I I just posted a meme in response to it because I thought it was kind of funny. It was just like, yeah, my buddy's like, how do you keep up with all of this stuff? And it's just that still of Rick James from uh, Chappelle's show. <laughs> it's like taking this cocaine or taking this coffee. I don't care. Yeah. But I'm just getting the thing done because I'm imbued with that motivation to just do my best and make sure the next thing that I put out is the best thing that I put out. Yep. Um, Constantly be so, getting better. Absolutely. So, um, who are, who would you say are maybe two to three of your most influential, most impactful musicians that have been on your life that, that have been in your life or your career? Hmm. In terms of listening or like people I know. Eh, one in one. How about that? Okay. Um, Cause I just realized mm. you, you are in the know you're, you're a, you're a working musician. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, whew. all right. So I have to, my dad's definitely in there. You know, he would probably probably be number one just because we would have a lot of conversations, um, listen to a lot of music together, take trips to go to concerts, you know, um, one of my proudest memories is the first concert that I paid to take him to <laughs> for his birthday. It was at twins jazz club, which recently closed in DC. Um, and my favorite trombonist, Vincent Gardner, you know, um, was playing and he was, it was just great. I was just lo- looking at him the whole time with this glow on his face. Like, man, my son took, is taking me. It <laughs> was great. You know, um, but we would have a lot of conversations. He impacted the way I uh, think about teaching, but also how to teach people get, to get to their level. You know, like teach, uh, a great teacher can explain something as, in a, a lot of different ways, you know, depending on how the, the student is actually accepting the information. You know, yeah. we're going to try it this way. We're going to try it this way. Do you get it yet? No. Okay, cool. Let me try to explain it this way. And you just, you're relentless in that pursuit of, you know, trying to help people. So, um, let's see. Ooh. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, you can broaden it. You can broaden it. I was real. I realized yeah. how restrictive it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feel free. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you good, man. Um, <clears throat> I've definitely had, uh, my grad school trombone professor. Uh, Jim McFalls was very, he was very straightforward. I actually talked to him the other day after a long time. I'm not speaking to him, but excuse me. Um, man, he was just, he was, he's a very funny person. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's, he's hilarious, but when it comes to playing music and the trombone, he's just like, I would often be in lessons like, well, I, I thought we were just joking. He's like, yeah, but can you play this though? <laughs> you sound like you're not putting in the work, man. And I'm like putting like as much time in as I can, not even yeah. as I can, like until it's right. And then 
you know, he's like, yeah, man, you can play it at this tempo. But can you, can you play it at this tempo? Because when you're in the bandstand, you know, you can't say, all right, let's play. Let's play it here. <laughs> I mean, you can, but in real life, things change, you know, yeah. especially after you start. So what you start at that tempo can end up being something else. But um, he was just, he's, it was, his attitude is, but can you do it though? Like, mm-hmm. let's not talk about it. You, you know, you have a gift of gab. You talk a lot and people like to hear you talk. That's great. Uh-huh. But can you do it though? It's that Japanese proverb proof over argument. Absolutely. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that cat, man. And he just, I would get so mad, but, I, and then I'd be like, but I can't do it. Damn. <laughs> Damn you. You know, and it, you know, it just made me want to work harder. And it's, um, he, I don't know if he hipped me to this saying, but it says, uh, amateurs do it until they can get it right. And professionals do it until they can't get it wrong. And that changed the way I do a lot of things. Let's go. Or Let's the, go. The, the same way I, I wanted to approach things, you know, um, it's all about just trying to, you know, do it flawless, even if it's not flawless, you know, because there's that's subjective depending on who you're talking to, the situation, but you want to do it to the best of your ability and knock it out the park. And he actually, uh, that type of thinking or that approach helped me to become a better freelancer, you know, like just rent relentless in the pursuit of great, you know, always sight reading. Well, you know, you never, I'm, I mean, well, before the pandemic, I was often called for, um, you know, to read things or for a gig, not having seen the music at all. So I would have to come in there and read it right before an audience as if I had studied this music, you know, for 15 hours or, you know, it's like the greatest hijinks of all time. It's like most of the cast you see on the bandstand are just like, whoo, all right, (laughs) living on the edge here. All right. Okay. Go. Like it's right, a, a lot it. of improv, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of improv, but it's, <clears throat> it's, you're training yourself for every, every type of situation. You know, a lot of yeah. times we're reading the music on just off the fly. You know, you, I, I'm a band leader myself. I have put music in front of my band and they've never seen it before. And I'm like, we're going to try this out. Cause I know you guys are great. <laughs> you know, sometimes you crash and burn other times it comes out exactly as you had imagined or better. You know, so, um, yeah, those two people in terms of teachers, um, yeah. there's a lot of things that my undergrad professor, uh, trombone professor, um, bestowed upon me that still stick with me as well. You know, um, that, uh, a couple, a couple of professors, but mainly the trombones, a trombone professor, but, uh, yeah, man. And then there's countless musicians, you know, I listen to music all the time, you know, uh, and I try not to be one of those, uh, <laughs> musicians or teachers that only listen to the music they like. I force myself to listen to everything out now, whether it's like Lil whoever in the, in the, in the, um, in the, in the words of J Cole, you know, it's like, I don't, I can't rock with all of it, but I'm going to try because it's in, in essence, it's another perspective, right? You know, yeah. like it's us about trying to understand people. Now, a lot of these musicians um, are being run by a bigger machine. You know, and they're being told to say things or being told to approach things in a certain way. But, you know, I still want to know because 
I also want to know what my students are listening to, you know? Yeah. So I think it gives you, gives you some context and it's like the littles or the uh, rappers who have their degrees like mm-hmm. NLE or whatever. It's right. like, wow, I didn't know that you were a you know, social worker or right. something. You had a master's in that. Wow. Right. That's your right. rap name too. Exactly. <laughs> who was, who was the, uh, the rapper that was, uh, who's also a dentist. I know Paul Wall that had, like he created a whole business, for, you know, from Did those the grills and stuff. Yeah, was it uh, was he Young Jock? Was he a dentist or was it like? Oh shit! I can't even remember. Like, if it's, if it's Young Jock, that then out. that's that's wild. If it's Young Jock, because yeah, it, yeah, that yeah, is yeah, the song is going down. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, I gotta I gotta look that up. But you know, everybody's coming from somewhere. And I mean, I like the diversified. We thing. gotta remember. Yeah. And then we got to remember that it's all a hustle too, you know? Yes. Like for in the two thousands, you know, <laughs> we saw an era of hip hop where you could cash in like literally cash in just by doing this thing. And like, we, we, we see this like going way back, you know, like to the eighties, we see this with like, you know, admittedly NWA, yeah. you know, and we're talking about like, there's different aspects of, of NWA, but, you know, they've admitted to like, yeah, we had to rap about this so we could sell this and then get this money. And this was like after the first album, you know, when, it, you know, it's, I don't know, man. It's, and that's why the thing happens where when someone's like, yo, after your first album, it's, it's kind of whack. And mm. it's, it's interesting because like I said, I've been doing this thing for 12 years and I've right. been brought in to consult, to teach, to do a lot of different things, for like yeah. to teach at like universities and things because uh, people yeah. hear podcasts and they're like, Oh, you know, vampires, what have you. And <laughs> the thing that, that catches me is. You know, there have been different people that have helped launch that thing and then they get the notoriety. And I don't want to be one of those mm-hmm. sour grapes people, but mm-hmm. when y- you see it becomes a formula and right. inherently I look at podcasting, if you take, if you're taking it seriously, I'm not just another way to diversify what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's very DIY and it's very punk rock or whatever. Definitely. So if you have, this is the formula, use the, use this, only talk about this. Black guys only do barbershop podcasts. It wow. makes me really tight. And right. I take a lot of, I, I take pride in trying to do something that's informative while being entertaining. And right. it's that thing. It's that Oscar Wilde thing I, I got put on to recently of, if you mm-hmm. want to, for someone to listen to what you're saying, if you want to get across something that's important, do it through comedy, do it through humor. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's why core jesters and stuff are around, you know, and right, right. there's a few dudes that put me on that I know from, from back at city or even at Morgan where I went to, to, you know, mm-hmm. um, undergrad at They're like, yo, you always had a way of having something really wild and an undercurrent, really wild undercurrent, but then it's serious, but right. also hilarious at the same time. Right. 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 And that's the thing that people don't see the nuance. People mm-hmm. don't do the critical thinking. And when someone says is it because of these machines and all that are kind of running these things, mm-hmm. you're, you're using that as a means to continue this dumbing down process. This, you don't have to stretch for it. It's right here. I'm going to baby feed it to you. Right. It doesn't work. Um, I let's see. I, yeah. I, I overthink things. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Not at all. There was actually something that you said, um, that reminded me of something. Um, a stereotype is one of the stereotypes in music is that black musicians can't read music. And I found that out very young and I was like, okay, so what's not going to happen 
because I will <laughs> not be limited. And then when I step into every room, I'm going to be one of the greatest, best sight readers there. Mm-hmm. And nobody, I'm never going to be fired because I can't read something, you know? So like those stereotypes end up putting chips on your shoulder. Absolutely. When I got to undergrad, I had a big chip on my shoulder. I'm like, Oh, y'all, y'all, Cause I'm in the back of the line. No, this isn't because I suck. It's because you guys are great and I'm going to yeah. get there. I'm going to get there. Just give me time. Oh, you. Okay. Okay. Oh, you think just cause I'm from bottom. Okay. Uh-huh. 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 And I'm like, I had nothing but chips on my shoulder. And then that also has a negative effect as well. Just, yes. you know, um, with how you, um, approach people, approach situations, everything is competition or, you know, you're very, you can be, you can acquire uh, or develop a very aggressive personality, you know, and I've always been laid back, you know, but there was, <laughs> I remember a couple, even my dad would be like, man, you gotta get that chip off your shoulder, man. You missing out on a whole lot of stuff by having a chip on your shoulder, but you know, I'm from Baltimore, I got a chip on my shoulder. I got to show people, you know, like you, you think Baltimore is just a wire, or you think Baltimore is like just a murder rate or you think Baltimore is just whatever. And it's like, okay, so, you know, I may not live there for the, for my industry. I want to be in New York, you know, or at the time I wanted to live in DC, you know, like right after grad school, because there's a lot of great musicians down there. And I wanted to be a part of that scene, but um, I wanted to move to New York and try, try to make it sustainable here sustainable living. And I've been able to do that, you know, over the last seven years. Um, but I've had a jib on my shoulder. It's like, Oh, okay. I got you. So like so, every, yeah, go ahead. So you, so because, because you're, you're already segueing into it. So I wanted to, <laughs> um, I wanted to have you like describe that transition or what have you of, of going from, from Baltimore in this region to mm-hmm. going to New York and, you know, outside of the, which sounds like it's a tray of chips, not just one chip. It's oh, like man, a bag yeah. of chips. Yeah. Outside of yeah. that, what did you maybe take from here in terms of work ethic, personality, artistry, what have you that right. helped you in that transition to New York? So I, there are two big chapters and of course there's chapters within chapters, but <laughs> there's my younger life. 18 up to 18, you know, spent in Baltimore and I went away for college was there for five years, changed my major had to spend an extra year's money. That sucked, you know, still paying that off. But, um, you know, then I came back, had grad school. I went to Towson university for grad school. It was cool. Um, but then I wanted something else. And my ex-girlfriend at the time and her family lived in DC. So was going back and forth four or five times a week. And I wanted to be a part of that scene. I had, I had a growing number of friends who were down there, lived there from there. And, you know, uh, Baltimore, I have, a, I mean, I was playing in Baltimore as well, but, um, there was something about, uh, the scene down there, you know, and then there were, there came gigs, regular gigs. I was in the Bohemian Caverns jazz orchestra, um, with Thad Wilson, um, big band, uh, a couple different groups. And I was playing in like at uh, HR 57 over on H street and I was meeting a lot of people and it was great. And I was re- meeting a lot of great black musicians too, between Baltimore and DC. And I love that feeling, you know, and, um, and I mean, musicians otherwise too, but I just, I promise, uh, you know, 
I love the culture. So, you know, um, and it was black musicians playing this black music very, very at a very high level. Yes. And I loved it, you know, and like, I didn't see necessarily see that in undergrad or graduate school because I mean, I told my, I told you earlier, my family was an HBCU family. I was the one guy. <laughs> I didn't get the memo, you know, but I mean, I got the memo. I just chose to, you know, Gonna study go the trombone <laughs> at a different place, you know, yeah. um, at two different places, but then went back down to DC or went to DC. And then after the third year, I want to say, uh, this guy that who become like one of my best friends, Brent Burke has said, man, he kept saying, man, look, I live in New York now. I live between both places. You can make it, man. You could do it. Like, and I was like, whatever, man, I'm not ready. <laughs> not ready. You know? Yeah. And I would, cause it was, New York is like that, that big thing, you know, like if you're not prepared, it's going to chew you up and spit you out. And I didn't want that to happen, you right. know, but, but there's also benefits in having that happen. You go away, you lick your wounds, you, you get better and you come back. You know, I didn't, I wasn't looking at it that way either, but, um, he eventually, uh, um, persuaded me and, you know, I, I moved up there. I was just like, man, and it, it was, it was a great, uh, change and it was a welcome change. You know, I was, I was excited to, I'd have been going back and forth for gigs and, um, sessions, but I, I started to really dig it, man. And even in the, you know, the low moments and, and you know, of not having a lot of work and wondering what's going on. It's like, I was working a lot in DC. What am I doing? Like, I, why did I, you know, come here? And then things would start to unravel and, or not unravel, but like start to get better, you know, like starting to work with people. I would see people on the scene. I was a fan of their music, you know, uh, Bilal and, you know, uh, just many of the great uh, musicians that I've always listened to. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why Bilal just stuck out. <laughs> I was going to say Raheem Devon as well. <laughs> well, I've not seen, I've not met him. I actually, I did, it was in DC, but, um, I was talking with my sister about that the other day, but, uh, yeah, a lot of musicians, you know, and that kind of made, got me out of this, you know, this fanboy state that I've always been in, you know, <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's right. It's Robbie Coltrane, John Coltrane's son. Oh my God. And like, when I met him, it was to play, you know, we were playing a gig at the DC jazz festival with this band that's based here in New York. And, um, he's like, yeah, man. I mean, yeah. Like, you know, I'm gonna play this horn. Now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna warm up. I'm like, Robbie Coltrane's playing this horn. <laughs> you know, it's like, I had those fanboy moments, but talking to him even more, I mean, a lot more after that, just picking his brain about things. It was great. You know, like it, everybody became just normal people making a living, yeah. you know, exceptionally talented people that put a lot of time into the craft and into the, into the music, into the culture, into the scene. Um, but we're all just people. We put on our pants and put on our clothes the same way, you know, so now, now when you have, uh, again, going back to these machines or these, uh, record companies, which are, kind of dwindling at this point, you know, but even still when they put, when they choose someone to put it to invest in the anointing. <laughs> yeah. Um, that can do a lot of things for the ego. I've seen that up close, but 
you know, people are still people. I've so, seen that from, I'm not going to say both sides because I don't, I'm not backed by a record company, you know, but yeah. not saying I don't want that, but you know, it's, that it's a, it's a whole process, man. You, a lot of people lose themselves to that and they lose their identity in the music. So, so I, I, and, and maybe you can agree with this. I don't know, but one of the things I've been kind of pondering with is this notion that people who have that, cause you touched on it a little bit earlier, the, mm-hmm. maybe the reputation that Baltimore may have and coming from there, it's just mm-hmm. like, Oh, well mm-hmm. you're this based on this pop culture or this news or whatever. I think one of the things that gets lost is there is a degree of refinery and anti BS and authenticity that comes mm-hmm. from Baltimore. And I think when you make that move, cause I'm in my head, I'm thinking of making the move and I don't mm-hmm. know for what I'm not a musician or anything, obviously, but oh, it's, I, it's the Mecca for a lot of things, man. But I'm thinking of making that move to like new Orleans. It's like almost a sister uh-huh. city. Right. And absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I just like, am I good enough here? Have I done it here where people are like, okay, we re rock is what you're doing. I've passed that test. Right. Do you, do you view Baltimore in a way of that's that breeding ground? It's like, you know, it doesn't get the recognition, but if I can get through and get on here and then go somewhere else. One thing, you know, people will not say about me is that, you know, I bullshit, you know, like I'm, that we don't, you know, and there's all different types of people, you know, from Baltimore, you know, like all different types of personalities and everything, but the crux of the city is, you know, just upstanding people. And that, you know, we, we get, we tell the truth, like we're not afraid to say it. And (laughs) that comes from my family and my family's been in Baltimore for like 250 years. You know, we like, I don't, my, the historians of the family could tell me like where we, <laughs> we where we're from before that, but we're like from Baltimore, you know, like, and it's just like, I don't know, man, everybody. It, one of the main things that people say about me is just like, Hey man, that's a, that's a real dude. He'll, he'll, he'll tell you the truth, no matter how much it hurts, but then he'll tell you how to like, I don't know. It's kind of like a therapy <laughs> session, but he's not a therapist. It's like, he'll tell uh, you, like, man, you bullshitting. But then it's not even in a nice way. It's like, yeah, yeah. but he'll also tell you that you need to like get your life together and like he'll feed this positivity into you. I'm like, okay, please stop talking. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's kind of, it's true, you know, and I try to be, I ha- try to have that integrity and be very honest with myself too. You know, uh, I don't know. It's it sounds like you were describing a, a similar trait that I have where mm-hmm. it's just like, like my, my bullshit detector goes off really quickly. Yeah. It's very sensitive now. Mm-hmm. It's not quite a Richter scale. It's just right. like, eh. and there, there right. have been so many different things. Cause like I said, people we hear podcasts and just the things come out. Right. And especially I've been doing it so long and I've had some hidden figures moments. Oh, mm-hmm. you can be an uncredited executive producer. It's right. like, mm, that's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Or, <laughs> you know, we want to use your platform to bring us up. And it's like, no, not a thing, not, not happening. And, like that either. <laughs> and it, it, at the same time, it's not anti-collaboration, but it's like, I don't really like what you guys do. And I don't right. know if I want to bring that to what I'm doing. Yeah. You guys seem to know. And I think, in, in looking back, um, like maybe five years ago, it was something mm-hmm. that somebody mentioned to me, you know, after all this stuff that happened with like Freddie Gray and the fallout and all mm-hmm. of that, 
it, someone mentioned to me that it's like this weird game of thrones. Someone's fighting for the cheer mm-hmm. of who runs these black people in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And there's a version of that happening is who represents black pop culture and who is the representative right. creatively mm-hmm. for, for black folks in right. Baltimore. And it's a few dudes I know to your, your thing earlier about, um, just when someone gets a little, little bit of a buzz, a little bit of clout, suddenly right. it goes to their head. I, I've run into a few people and they start 2003 Bill Cosbying, like talking down uh, on what black people should be doing. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, who and why are you the representative? Right. Right. Who, 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 <laughs> no, I'm not going to say the, the, the hackneyed <laughs> phrase, who died and left you, you know, I'm not, but yeah. it's, it is like that though, you know, and, I don't know. I live in New York and New York has a whole lot of, you know, mm-hmm. has a whole lot of um, steam behind it. Every, oh, you live in New York. You're doing a big, huh? No, I just wanted to challenge myself and try to see if I can make it there. I'm still there. Um, and that's not just because of my doing. Like, I've had a lot of help and not like a lot of like, you know, white privilege, like long money help, like yeah. wealth help. I'm just saying, you know, you find your community. I found my community. I've built a community here and like, you know, and, and a different community. So I'm a part of different community communities and we, we all help each other, but it's just, no, I just live in New York. I just wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to see if I could make it and I'm, I'm still making it and I love it. I don't love everything about the city. Sometimes the city is straight trash, you know, and <laughs> like, or just the people or just like, you know, the air about like being a New Yorker, you know, like, but yeah. I mean, I've lived in crown Heights and Bed-Stuy. Yeah. You know, um, I taught on, taught in the South Bronx and like, I'm always, I was in live very close to Harlem now when I live, I live on the upper West side, but it's like, <sighs> I'm gonna leave that where it is. I, the upper West side is very nice as well, but I'm just saying I lived in all of these places with uh, black and brown people just because I wanted to live somewhere that looked like home. So I could feel like I was home. I wanted to, I moved to Best Eye. The first thing I lived down the street from Marcy projects where I grew up listening to (laughs) Daisy. And I'm like, this is Marcy projects. Oh my God. Yo. And I started like walking the streets. I was like listening to Jay-Z all the time, rapping the lyrics. And then, you know, shit would pop off. And I'm just like, you should probably get your ass down. Like, you know, (laughs) still look over your shoulder. Like this is, I mean, it's not a game. You could, you could be like, Oh wow, this is great. This is where he grew up. All right. Go. I got enamored. (laughs) I got enamored. Um, uh, it was like maybe a year and a half ago. Um, I went up there, my girl, my girlfriend's from Park Slope. She's like from Brooklyn and okay. And yeah. she always talks about it. She's just like, yeah, you know, my, yeah. and her dad was like a playwright, black playwright. It's like yeah. always around okay. theater, always around creatives. Yeah, and, but... um, I had one of those moments where one of her, her best friend still lives, her best friend lives in Queens. So we went okay. up there, did the whole Highline tour. They showed me all of the touristy yeah. things, but some of the places that had culture, not just the corny stuff. Right. And, right. uh, when we were on the train, I was just like, yo, this is what Capone Noriega was rapping about. This is this dude's yep. stuff. That's, and, and yep. they're just like looking at me like this Baltimorean noob. <laughs> it was really yeah. funny. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, <laughs> you have that tourist, that touristy thing, you know, like yeah. living, I was on Hart Street and Nostrand. So like, <laughs> you know, like all the mentions of 
Nostrand Ave, like I, I, what comes immediately comes to mind? Kanye mentioned it in a song, uh. like Flatbush and Tillery, uh, uh, Buster Rhymes would always talk about that. And the first yeah. time I crossed that intersection, I was like, oh, I'm in the <laughs> land of Buster Bus. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, you I mean, had those moments because like, where hip hop is, you know, we grew up uh, listening to it, and I, ne- I. I didn't, I have family in New York, but we never, they always came down when it never came up here. So, you know, it was, it's always been a thing. I still do that in, in certain clubs, you know, like, um, the bitter end, you know, I, I believe that's where Donnie Hathaway recorded that live album. And the first time, I mean, I performed there a lot before the, before the pandemic, but it was just like, every time I'd be in there, I'd have a moment of like, wow, <laughs> like Donnie Hathaway was on a stage or like, you know, this live album was recorded at uh, the Blue Note, and I'm in yeah. the Blue Note. I'm performing at the Blue Note tonight. Like, the first time I was there, of course, you had to get a selfie with the sign. You know, <laughs> Of course. Like, but, you know, all of these things started happening, and I was just, you know, it's, it's still, it hasn't worn off. You know, like, I'm still excited. I, think, I don't think I ever want to lose that. You know, like I'm still excited to, to be a part of this life and try to make it happen. I'm excited to see what's on the other side of this pandemic. I'm excited, like we were saying earlier, how things are, you know, we're still finding ways to be creative. Yeah. You know, is everything's gone online and everything. But even some up here, things have gone outdoors, you know, like in Baltimore. I've, a lot of my friends are playing out and they, you know, all right. Sidewalk how can we, and all of that. Exactly. Yeah. It's like how can we get paid for this though? How can we monetize this? Put out your uh, cash app name, put out your, your Venmo name, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, it's not, it's not begging, but even if you looked at it as begging, we like musicians play on the street all the time. You say like, for your supper. <laughs> I, I mean, it, to, yeah, to a degree it's, I, I played on the subways when you first come here and it's not, you know, for some people it's to make rent. Of course yeah. you can use the money however you want to use it, but to play long, you have to put long hours in, into this in order for it to make sense when it comes out of your horn or out of your voice, you know, or, you know, out of your mouth rather, you know, like you have to figure out a lot of things about what you're trying to do. You have to, it has to crystallize and you have to figure out things for yourself has to make sense for yourself in order for it to, you know, make sense to somebody else, you know, like, so, I was playing the subways with friends, you know, with cats, older cats. You know, I learned a lot, a lot about the the language, you know, that the bebop language, a lot, you know, just a, about music, yeah. a lot about, about like how, what things worked for me and what situations. And I'm, you know, we, you never in that, that journey never ends, you know, but you know, um, yeah, man, you know, it's, it's just <laughs> about like never being, not, not letting your ego get ever get too big to, you know, realize what needs to be done, it's, you know, and I've been in places where it has, but you know, you, you hopefully grow from that. It's like this thing from, um, Eckert Troll, where he'd mentioned, uh, you don't want to let your ego in through the back door. Mm. And, you know, I try to be a self-aware person and every now and again, I get a little gassing and I'm like, oh, all yeah. right, I'm, I'm that dude. Oh, I'm big. I'm a big wave baby. And it's like, Whoa, why am I cutting wrestling promos? It It, it is wild. <laughs> and, um, yeah. so, so that's, that's the thing to definitely be aware of. And it's, it's um, your community too, though, man, you know, true. like the people around you will, will 
will hold you down, quote unquote, but they'll also bring you down when you yes. get too high. You know, like there, there is, it's two ways to that street. You know, like I, I know I have good people around me and yeah, I, I like to keep a couple people around me. You know, some are like, I got I have my, my younger brother. He's one of those dudes. Like if mm-hmm. you, he, he's Ari Spears from uh, Jerry Maguire. It's like, yeah, that's, that's my brother. Yes. That's my brother. And my, my, one of my, my co-hosts, he's kind of the same thing. He's kind of like very flat, straight hip hop head. And he will call you out on it. Cause at one point I was still trying to rap when he and I first met and he was just like, just trash. I was like, I don't appreciate you. So I get Mm -hmm. that degree of honesty Mm -hmm. and then they're doing it. They're, they're involved in what I'm doing for, the right reasons and they keep me on point. Right. It was like, no, that was funny. Do more of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know about that. And what were you thinking here? Actually, cause, cause feedback sometimes when right. you're creating yeah. and you're trying to create and trying to work on things. Like one of the things that I, I, I like, I like stand up comedy and mm-hmm. it's hard for them to do it. So a lot of comedians are being podcasters and because you can't go out and mm-hmm. try stuff out in the nightclubs because right. they're not open. Right. Um, so getting that feedback and working through things is, um, is, is something I have, mm-hmm. um, I have one last question okay. um, before we wrap up and shameless plugs, all your social media, all, everywhere mm-hmm. they can find you. Right. Um, but, and, and again, um, yeah, I, um, I admire what you're doing, man. I, I, like, I look Thank up you. to you, man, like, like from, uh, from afar, man. Look, so, um, I appreciate that. I appreciate no it, doubt. man. That, that means a lot. You know, I mean, another reason to go out and it's not that I've left Baltimore or like, you know, abandoned Baltimore. I, I take that with me wherever I go. I just Absolutely. know. At, at a certain point in time, I mean, and there's a lot of great musicians that still live in Baltimore. You know, there's a whole scene and the scene is growing and it's, it's amazing. And it's low key, you know, making me jealous. I'm not there, you know, but every time I come back, I know I have a place to play or go, you know, listen to cats, you know, and to support yeah. them, you know, and support the scene. But I just wanted to be here and I wanted <laughs> to like, you know, figure out something else. But like Baltimore is, is always with me. We just, like people just choose diff, different paths and I wanted to be here, you know, it's, just it's, for a, a, a little while, you know, maybe not forever, but whatever. It's, it's definitely a loop. Baltimore. <laughs> you know, people I've talked to who are from like New York that come down and then vice versa. They always talk about that loop that, yeah, I lived in Baltimore for a while, or I lived in New York for a while. They're on the other end of their, they're here. So it's, right. it's very common. Mm-hmm. So my, mm-hmm. my last question, um, right. I, so this is, this is kind of whack. I own one record and it's okay. a, uh, it's a Charles Mingus record. Cause that's, that's <laughs> which, my guy. Which um, one is it though? Uh, I mean, all of them are great, but I'm, I'm just saying, is it Fables of Fabus? I am blanking. I know it has a green cover. I have it mounted somewhere. But, uh, what is it? Uh, Black Saint, the Center Lady is on my list because oh, that's, oh, yeah, that, that's, that's a fire joint. That was my introduction, yeah, by the way. Absolutely. Okay, so, okay. When I read about his personality, I was like, okay, so when they do the biopic, I need to get yeah. cast in this movie, right? Cause yeah. I just want to just yeah. be a big guy. Like, look, don't, don't mess that note up now. Right. Yeah. So yeah. when your eventual biopic gets made, mm-hmm. who, who's playing you in the biopic? Like if you can have anyone play you in this biopic, like in five years or so, when they're doing the, the, the Corey Wallace biopic, oh, man, it's I like need a little longer than that. It's like CAW. It's the CAW on there. And it just like, ideally I want to take it. I want to go and, uh, 
the way LeBron is kind of handling things. He's going to play <laughs> basketball as long as he needs to. Oh my gosh. Until Bronny comes in and is a Laker as well. They're going to play like two seasons together. Uh huh. They're going to get a, you know, a championship for the Lakers. A lot of lobs to each other. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> and then, you know, Bronny takes over. Bron <laughs> sails off into the sunset. You know, like if, if I have a son, I want my son to play me. Okay. You know? That's fire. Like, that's fire. I don't know if, uh, was John David Washington would yeah. ever play Denzel, but no. I, I love the dynamic they have. You know, I, I mean, I got a soft face for like all fathers and sons. I love mothers totally. too. You know, I love my mother, but totally. you know, I was really close to my dad before he passed. So like, like I'm going to play my dad, you know, in, in his bio biopic. And then my son's going to play me. So if, if that's possible, you know, I, you know, hopefully my son is tall like I am. So they don't have to, you know, Fill his shoes with, you know, use the wild CGI, use the blocks. <laughs> right. Yeah, we we uh, we did a movie review yesterday on um, King of New York, one of my favorite movies, and mm. I'm looking at Lawrence Fishburne in the movie, and I was like, yo, this is what my dad was dressing like in the '80s, right? And we we you know how you do that thing of like, yo, who do you relate to in the movie the most? Yeah, and I will let other people say it because I'm all over the place, right. and my man's just like, you're clearly Jimmy Jump. I was like, mm. wow. I'll take it. I'm here for right. it. I'm here right, for right, it. Right, Let's right. do it. Let's get it. That's what's up, man. That's so, what's up. um, shameless plugs, promote your socials, your website and things that you have coming up in the next, what have you. I mean, I know go, 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 COVID's go. weird. So yeah, no, it is. It <laughs> is. But, um, like we were saying earlier, we, as creators, we continue to find ways to get these, the many voices or the, the, the creativity out into the world. And, Social media and the internet has made that even more possible. You know, it's a yes. lot more stuff to sift through for exactly what you want. <clears throat> Good music. But, uh, you know, um, you can find me. I'm around. Um, <laughs> my website is uh, com. Like the letter C, the letter A, wallacemusic.com. And um, I'm under my name on all social media, I believe. So on Instagram <laughs> at the big dog cometh, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> I play on, I play on the ice man cometh what they call George Gervin, but also the novel. Um, but it's, uh, D a W G the big yeah. dog cometh. Um, but also my music page at the Corey Wallace dub com or not.com at the Corey Wallace dub. <laughs> um, yeah, and everybody always asks about what is dubstep. Is it, do you guys play dubstep? No, we don't. Like that everybody used wild. to call me, yeah, it would. <laughs> but everybody used to call me C Dub, and I wanted like a creative name. You know, I'm like, there's it's going to be quintet or sextet for six people, septet for seven people. Uh, how about I just make it nebulous? It's going to be C Dubs, C Dubtet, no, the Corey Wallace Dubtet. I like, it. I like it. You know, and I, you know, it's a, it, I, I've. I mean, people have grown to love it, you know, there, and especially with the, uh, our approach to music and blending a lot of music together, not just straight ahead jazz, which is, you know, what we love and what we've, you know, play a lot of here in New York, but you know, we grew up in as, as, as our parents offspring, I had to listen to a <laughs> lot of other styles of music and I, I love it. I still listen to it and I'm a I'll part of it too. You know, I, I perform that music. I've, you know, perform with the, the temptations and, you know, um, uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot of different groups. It's not, it's not time to name drop and everything, yeah, but yeah. you know, it's That's just, 
it's it's great to um have performed with those groups but then also i'm glad that that music exists in my music as well like it's a default setting because i have i've chosen the the members of the group you know uh to a t and we all come to from very similar places you know so it's pretty cool it's a pretty cool experience and you know before the pandemic, the, the idea was to put out an album this year. So we're going to still see if we can do that, <laughs> get into the studio and at least have it recorded before next year, you know, but yeah, that's coming as well. So definitely follow me and check my website for updates and, you know, in the music, I'm always putting up music and whatnot. So, but yeah, man. that's fantastic. And you, you've you been the first musician, I think, that I've interviewed. So this is oh. also a, a treat for that reason. See, like, see, man, look, now we got I got to come back and we can talk about, uh, you know, just our favorite albums. And you I'm know, here we for got, it. Like, we'll have a whole episode. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm now I'm now your, your manager, son. Like, you have an episode <laughs> about, you know, just just Mingus music. How about that? Hell yeah. Like, like I said, illustrious guests. And <laughs> <laughs> See, man, we, we got we got a future, man. It's, it's going to yeah. be great. You know, Somebody this is a spinoff off. podcast. We oh. like me and you, we're going to do us. You're going to do a music podcast. That'd be dope. Look, I'm here for it. <laughs> Come on, man. We out here. We out here. You know, so, so um, for Corey Wallace, thanks again for coming on and just just being a, a great guest for this. Um, oh, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore.